This is Cole. And this is Ron. We are the creative team. Asking the tough questions like, Hey Cole. Yeah, Ron? What if Hulkamania never ran wild? Hey, Ron. Yes, Cole? What if Rick wasn't ravishing? That's rude. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Cole, I got an idea. I can see that. Hey, Ron, I got an idea. I love it. My sister, Candace Murray. Look, up in the sky, it's the creative team. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another exciting episode of... The Creative Team! I am your host, Cole Dawson, and with me, as always, my hashtag team partner, Ron Kilborn. Ronald, how the hell are you today, bud? It's a beautiful day. It was a really nice week. Had got a lot done. Just got back from the family with uh, uh, from a hike. It was, uh, it was a good day. How was yours? Uh, you know, my week kind of went a little crazy. You know, it's been a hundred and... 405 the last couple days and my work truck doesn't have air conditioning so it's been long days out in the field until you from you know 6 a.m to 3 in the afternoon right when it gets the hottest part so uh i went to sleep at about i don't know nine o'clock on a friday (laughs) and uh yeah so i'm refreshed and wide awake here and uh that's a good thing because today we're doing a bracket which means we have a guest ronald Would you like to introduce our guest today? Oh, do we have a guest? We have probably our biggest guest we've ever gotten. And uh Well, second. Second. Oh, we're gonna go there. Okay. Yes. (laughs) You have you have to say that. Okay. (laughs) Well, he has to say that too. Yeah, I agree. I do agree with it, but you do have to say that. We both have to say that. He doesn't have to say that though. I mean, that is the way it goes. So uh our (laughs) guest today is none other than NXT's Johnny Gargano. How you doing today, sir? Great. How about yourself? Fantastic. I love these games that we play because when we have the privilege of bringing, you know, a guest of your stature on, we get to, I know you've probably done a million podcasts talking about your career and what you do in wrestling, but we get to take you out of that and bring you far, far back to your fandom. And we get to talk about wrestling as fans. When you, when we had your lovely wife on for the same game, she gave us a little preamble saying, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be sad when I don't remember all this stuff. And boy, was she lying! Her whole fandom <laughs> came crashing back to her. Her memories sparked up again, and she got really into it. And uh, I don't think that's gonna be much of a, a worry for you because you're, no. you're fully you're fully guilty of embracing your fandom. We see it, you know, every chance we get during your career. Uh, I'm excited to see where your mind goes when we start playing this, and I'm excited to see Cole's feelings get hurt once again every time we play this game. <laughs> I'd say 99% of my success has come just from uh, how big of a wrestling fan I am. So uh, I'd say I'm in, I'm in good hands here. Awesome. Awesome. I think uh, I think it's going to be a great, great day. But uh, let's not uh, preamble anymore. I'm going to well, go over the on. rules. Hold oh. on. Hold on. I have one preamble thing. So did you get any big news recently there, Mr. Mr. Gargano? I mean, big... anything exciting and interesting going on in your life right now? No, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty normal. Pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty normal. Pretty normal. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I mean, if you you want to, I guess you set it up. So I guess the big news would be, I guess for both of us, that there's going to be a new addition to the family coming soon. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. The the you know the gender, you know the sex of the baby, but it has not been revealed yet publicly. 
Yes, it has not. And, not. and I will say, Ronald uh, uh, squeaked it out when we were recording last week, and I said, nope, you have to edit that, sir. Yeah, yeah. The biggest, <laughs> so we are taking care of the kayfabe, my friend. The biggest <laughs> secret in wrestling currently is the sex of the Gargano child. Who's the third person? We don't know yet. We don't know yet. Uh, <laughs> I have made my what I want. Uh, I've been on very on record about what I want. I think everyone in, I guess, your, their family has been on record of what they want as well. Yes. <laughs> just due to the, the severe lack of uh, males, I guess, in the family. Uh, I felt like it was it was up to me to try to bring a, a grandson into, into the fold. Uh, I don't, I, my, my worst fear, and I tell Candace this all the time, is a very slippery slope, as you know. Slippery yes. slope of like, you want the boy, but you get a girl. You're like, I'm going to try again. Another girl. And try again. Another girl. So I'm hoping... Again, I know, but everyone else doesn't know. Uh, I know the sex of the baby, but I'm hoping that it is, it is a boy. So, I guess when we reveal it, everyone else will find out. <laughs> I know it, but I'm hoping. Yeah, I love yeah, it. but I'm hoping. I know it, but on camera purposes, I am hoping. Well, you heard it here, folks. That's that's what we call a cliffhanger in the entertainment business. Well, and lucky for me, I played baseball growing up, so three strikes on the boy thing, and I was out. Yeah. And uh, I went and saw the doctor and took care of that baby, that the female-making factory, it is closed for business. So it is all on your shoulders, my on friend. On my shoulders. To, on my to shoulders. deliver the go. grandson. It's up to you. It's up to you. <laughs> well, a thousand congratulations in general, no matter what the sex is. Thank you. I appreciate that. And like I said, we're, all bo- we're both very excited. Uh, for the new edition. Uh, the kid has a lot to live up to, apparently, uh, just based on people of the internet's choices. And uh, they, they feel like this is the, due to me and Candace's, I guess, wrestling abilities, they feel like this kid is set up well for the future. So <laughs> Very 18 much. to 20 years from now, maybe wrestling. <laughs> I feel like the we're in like a, a, a real boom period here of, next generation babies in like 18 to 20 years the business is going to be really well off if everything goes well well you have a lot of on-screen training with your own with your own on-screen kids yeah uh you know do you feel like that's going to play a big role in your experience when you bring the real child into the world is uh is uh baby wrestling going to be doing interferences for you to get to gain the upper hand in uh matches going forward Speaking of baby wrestling, another one of my children just walked in the room as Candace opened the door. Oh, the she's second. Me. The, oh, here she is. She's here. She's going to pick her up. Don't touch me. The, the, the real third man, I guess. <laughs> yes, the Tato baby. Yep. Oh, yes. A reoccurring <laughs> guest at this point. She knows yes. whenever we film things or do anything because she always needs to be a part of it because she knows when the camera's on. So Spotlight? Oh, yes. Spotlight? Yeah. Where's the spotlight? Yeah, she took the spotlight from us last time and added to the audio with some of her wonderful snoring ability. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm gonna try to oh. I'm gonna try to find a spotlight chew toy. They gotta have those. We're talking about the, the baby thing. Yeah. The baby oh. thing. The baby, yeah, the baby thing. thing. It's yeah. got a label. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Whoa. They probably heard you they probably picked you up on the microphone there. Yeah, yeah. Heavy it's loud, a, loud and clear. Yeah. It's a good microphone. Yeah, it's running from my sister yeah. Candice LeRae. Yeah. She's not gonna let me take yeah. it. Look at her. You can leave the door open, it's fine. Yes, we, we love the Podme here yeah. at the creative team. So yeah. Ronald, uh if there's no more filibustering, if you would like to go over the rules, my friend. 
Oh my goodness, the rules. Yes, yes, because I was overzealous on explaining the rules earlier, but we had to talk about something important, so that's good. But the rules. This is the creative team bracket. 32 entries in the bracket, 16 matchups, three deciders. That's us. Entries advance under majority rules until we crown the creative team's greatest finisher of all time, because that's the theme of today, finishers. But wait, there's the decider's advantage, the Darso. Each decider has one Darso that allows you to steal or repo another player's vote to immediately advance your pick if you are outvoted. Use it wisely, because everyone only gets one. Darsos cannot be played in the finals, and no, you can't Darso a Darso. Any questions? No, I think Let's I... go to match number one. <laughs> Uh, just as we did with Candace, we're going to put you in a fun situation here where you have to pick between yourself and your life hero. Uh, the first match, the first match in the finishers bracket, the one final beat taking on sweet chin music. So please tell us why you're better than Shawn Michaels. I know I, I, I'm going to pick, I, I mean, I, that was like, that's where my head goes when I think about finishers right off the rip. So I have to go with Sweet Chin Music being the winner here. I don't know if Candace was humble. I'm sure Candace was humble enough to not pick herself as well. Oh, no, no, no. She said we, because she was the way versus DX and she said they're all old and you guys. Oh, she winning. picked us? <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. I'm going to go the opposite route. Uh, you see how. She's living the gimmick, brother. <laughs> uh, that, you know, I'll go Sweet Chin Music just based on what? Tato does not agree with me. She's telling me that. <laughs> That's right. That hey, Dad, quit being humble. You need to pick yourself here. We got money to make. Yeah, uh, that is not the way. <laughs> but I will say, Sweet Chin Music, just based on me being a child and doing Sweet Chin Music. I think everyone was a child and like tuned up the band. I think it's the perfect finisher to where you have a setup for it. Like you build anticipation, easily reversible. Uh, speaking from a strictly, I guess, wrestling standpoint, I think Sweet Chin Music uh, obviously beats mine because that really. I mean, when you think about it. I have I have two, so I have Gargano Escape and I have one final beat. Uh, one final beat's been more of my heel finisher now, but uh, I won the NXT Championship with the Gargano Escape. So, in terms of power, I'll, I'll go Sweet Chin Music over one final beat. All right, and and then uh, to add to the Sweet Chin Music, uh, putting it over, uh, you cannot watch any wrestling match just about right now without seeing a super kick uh-huh. yeah. somewhere in there, I, you know, and that, that I, I feel like, Oh, see, I forgot to go over the, the moves that didn't even make this list before we get started, but there were a couple things on there, like the power bomb and uh, what else did I have? Like go to sleep, you know, there's in and, and the ankle lock, there's moves that a lot of people have used. And, and it's so like, you know, the power bomb at this point is just like old hat because we see it all the time. Um, but, you know, it's because it was such a big move when it happened. It was so impressive, and everyone started doing it. And then people started, you know, smaller guys started doing it and kicking out. And then next thing you know, it's just another move. It's yeah, I mean, new... you watch those WCW <laughs> friggin' Nitros. Power bombs are popped out by cruiserweights like nothing. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and plus the sweet chin music. It's the whole package, the whole corner, the the stomping, you know, the getting the crowd into it. The whole package of the sweet chin music, I feel, outweighs just. Your average super kick nowadays. Yes, yes. Or cryonic kick. Or yes. Savat kick. Or or whatever Booker <laughs> T called his. Shuffling left side kick. Or there, that one. <laughs> well, okay. What makes me love a finisher is that you can do it to everybody. And both of these you can do to everybody. But 
I think my childhood, I'm going to have to agree with Johnny on this one. Sweet Chin Music for me is, you know, is childhood memories and it just gets you right in the feels every time. I recently rewatched 2002 SummerSlam and that whole setup, uh, and he didn't even hit it, but the whole setup was so wonderful and it brought me back. And yeah, I got to go Sweet Chin Music here. And I wasn't shy to go against Candace on her episode either. <laughs> so I apologize. And I went against myself, so it's fine. All right. Match number two. First round, the Styles Clash versus the Cobra Clutch slash Million Dollar Dream. Ooh. Ronald. You got like a high impact move and then just an iconic submission finisher. And you know what? That finisher is always reversed the same. That that one corner pin that you see all the time every time it's applied. Uh, yeah. I think for my fandom, I got to go Styles Clash. That's like... It's like, it's one of those moves that like when anyone else does it, you know exactly what it's called and who originated it. And that's why I kind of love moves like that that are specific to one guy, no matter who does it afterwards. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to go Styles Clash here. And, and, and this is where just my uh, wrestling taste is going to come into play here. Um, I just personally think that submission holds um, are a little more suspenseful uh, than you know, hitting a move and then and then a near fall or one two three. Um, I do, I just, I do miss the days when someone hit a finisher and you just knew it was over. Like, I mean, it, it's but the Styles Clash is one of those that that has a pretty good track record of being over. But I love me some Ted DiBiase and Sergeant Slaughter, so uh, I'm gonna lead towards Million Dollar Dream here slash Cobra Clutch, and for the first time, our guest Johnny will be the decider. So again, I, I I am I am a submission guy, but I'm a move guy as well. Uh, but just based on how many different variations of the move you can hit, based on how AJ has been really great at finding different ways to go into it, uh, whether it be catching a Phoenix Splash, uh, I remember he bounced Ricochet off the rope from a suplex and caught him in it. He caught the stomp from Rollins in it. He caught, like, he catches it from so many different places. And I think being able to catch it from out of nowhere adds value to it. And like I said, it has been protected, I guess, for the most part. Uh, I will have to go with Sio's Clash being my my vote here. It's a phenomenal pick. Yeah, we're off to a good start. You know, uh, just like last time, the, uh, the old family, the old brother-in-law going against me right out the <laughs> gate. So here we go. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, you know, I, that one, that's one I'm not mad at either way. Uh, I just, you know, we needed to make Johnny the decider the first time. So let's do that. Now this one, okay, this one is difficult. This one is tough because the, both of these moves were so impactful when they were invented. They really took over the business and became big deals. Uh, and now at this point, they're in just about everyone's repertoire. So this will be the first matchup that's really going to be an interesting debate, I think. The RKO slash Diamond Cutter and the DDT. Ooh. Ronald. Uh, I love the DDT. It's iconic. It is, It is. you know, just another move today. And But I love all the variations of it. There's all sorts of variations of the DDT. But there's also so many variations of the Diamond Cutter slash RKO. There's like a video floating around of Diamond Dallas Page doing like 50 diamond cutters. And there's like a handful of ones that are just completely different from just the regular just grab the head and drop. But the RKO, 
but RKO has memes after it. It's like viral YouTube videos. It like transcended wrestling at one point. Like wrestling fans that I don't even, uh, people that aren't even wrestling fans that I know, know these videos and know the RKO out of nowhere. So I'm going to go with RKO here. Did Cole freeze? Oh, everybody froze. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm back. What happened? <laughs> you guys just froze and disappeared. You guys just froze and then everything went black. Well, you froze. We can, our, our conversation continued. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> Fade to black. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. So it sounded like you were going RKO there. Uh, I hope that your speech wasn't the best speech you ever gave, although you'll have the audio so you could edit it in. But uh, right. So your yeah, official no. pick. <laughs> RKO. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. We just kind of lost you out of nowhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I guess well, you didn't hear me, voices in your head. Oh, yes. For me. Um, God, this is so hard. I love the DDT. It's one of my favorites. Um especially the Arn Anderson DDT. Like, when you see that compared to anything, especially the Alex Wright one specifically that Arn hit, uh, it's hard to go against that. Um, but, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think the RKO and the, the, the Diamond Cutter have reached a level of, of just... Uh, I'm losing my words now. See, you got me all screwed up, Ronald. What did I do? Anyway. <laughs> Damn technical difficulties. Anyway, so yeah, I think the RKO has kind of become an iconic move and transcended the business, so I have to lean RKO here. Uh, Johnny? I, I think I'm in a similar boat, and that's speaking as someone who does a DDT as a finisher quite often. Uh, I'm going to think I'm going to have to go RKO as well, just based on, like you said, the the meme material of it. Also, the fact that you can hit it out of nowhere, uh, out of nowhere, uh yeah, RKO, I think, slash Diamond Cutter is got to squeak it out for me just based on that alone. And again, this is speaking of someone who utilizes the DDT quite often. So uh, I'll go RKO. All right, match number four. Now, this is our first tag team finisher. Uh, we did get a couple tag team finishes in there because there are two that just we couldn't leave off this list. And uh, we're going to start with probably the most iconic tag team finisher of all time. The uh, Legion of Doom's Doomsday Device. And going up against the Razor's Edge. Oh. I will go first for you this time, Ronald. Yes, please. Um, I mean, as a child, uh, LOD had their WWE run, and it was right smack dab in the beginning of my wrestling fandom. So it's really hard to go against that. But also, at that same time, was when Razor Ramon debuted. And uh, that Razor's Edge, it looks like it can be, go really bad very quickly. <laughs> and it always looks devastating. You know, it's like a powerbomb, except you're definitely getting dropped high on your shoulders and on your neck. And uh, I, I think it's one of the most convincing finishers I've ever seen. So I'm going to lean 
corner towards Razor's Edge here. Ronald? Yeah, and depending on depending on how LOD felt that night, you can either <laughs> land on your back or land right on the back of your head. Oh, but do I want to go against the Doom? <laughs> the Road Warriors here. Um, no, you know what? I think I'm going to have to agree. No, you know what? We need more deciding votes here. I'm going to go Legion of Doom. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give some love to the tag team uh, this round. I'm going to go Legion of Doom's Doomsday Device. Oh, boy. All right, Johnny. Uh, so as much as I love Razor Ramon, as much as I love the Razor's Edge, I do love Legion of Doom as well. Uh, I guess just based purely on... Whew, I guess if we're going dangerous factor here. Purely on danger. Uh, on things going one way or the other. I think I'm going to have to go with the Doomsday Device being the the winner here. Uh, like I said, it could either go really well or it could either go horribly. I've seen it go horribly many times. <laughs> yes. I've seen it go horribly more times than a Razor's Edge. So just based purely on that, I will go with the Doomsday Device being, being my choice. You know, it's funny. I really didn't consider that part of the doomsday device when i was putting over yeah. the razor's edge is devastating yeah, it's and then as soon as ron said it i said uh oh yeah, it all depends yeah. on if, if they're throwing the legs or they're falling back with you if they throw the legs hard you might be okay but if they don't give you a, enough oomph you're probably gonna land on your head and i've seen it happen many <laughs> times to uh random people so i'm gonna have, yeah doomsday device for sure in danger factory for me all right now this one is fun um I know, I, I have a feeling I know where Ron's going to go on this one. Uh, so just to loop Johnny in. Well, first of all, Ron and I are both Brett guy, Team Brett over Sean. Okay. So there's that. Yeah. But uh, Ronald's favorite wrestler of all the times and his first guy that really hooked him on the business is The Undertaker, and uh, which was fun. A couple weeks ago, we had a guest on, and uh, uh, said guest, Dino Woodwood, um, took a little dump on The Undertaker, and Ronald <laughs> lost himself. And we had about three minutes of just yelling back and forth, and it got out of hand. So, uh, with that in mind, this matchup is the Tombstone Piledriver versus the Mandible Claw. I thought you were going to go Sharpshooter there. That was a... Oh, not yeah, yet. Okay. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're set up <laughs> Your setup felt like Brett was coming. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no. That was just a little little information for Johnny's purposes later on in the Got night <laughs> so ronald i will let you go first here with the tombstone and the mandible claw well it's funny because if you go back to our fandom 96 97 the mandible claw actually beat the guy that that did the tombstone far more than the tombstone beat the other guy that held the mandible claw but we're talking about me we're talking about my fandom we're talking about my guy i'm gonna go with the undertaker's tombstone um uh, when Pile Drivers were, when they got banned, he still kept the tombstone. And I think that speaks to a level of trust for the guy and the, the iconic uh, stature of the move in itself. So I got to go with my guy and his move, the tombstone. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and let Johnny go first okay. on this one before uh, I go. So I'm, there's not going to be a deciding vote here. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I'm going to go, wrestling is based on moments. And one of the most memorable moments of the past maybe 10 years, I'm thinking if it was 10 years ago, maybe longer than that, uh, was when Shawn Michaels kicked out of the Tombstone Piledriver. It meant so much because the Tombstone Piledriver was so well protected. 
no one kicks out of the tombstone. And then Shawn Michaels did. And that moment is going to live forever with Undertaker's face and just all the dramatics behind it and that match in general. So that moment meant so much because of where the tombstone was positioned. Therefore, I'm going to have to go tombstone pile driver over the Mandible Claw. As much as I love the Mandible Claw, I used the Mandible Claw with my friends when I was little all the time. <laughs> but I can't, can't go against tombstone. Yeah, and I'm going Tombstone too, which is, you know, I wanted you to go first there. We have a unanimous decision, ladies and gentlemen. I, I will just say uh, Mandible Claw is one of those things where I, I feel like every wrestling fan probably did it to themselves when they thought, wow, this is the dumbest thing ever, and then realized how much it hurts to, like, put your fingers under your tongue right there and push down. It's one of the most painful things possible. And so, like, just in that fact, I just, I just imagine every, you know, 10-year-old boy and girl just doing that to themselves and uh it is fun i like that uh uh dr Britt baker is using a variation of it now and uh you know being a doctor and using the whole gimmick i think it's great so that that move will live on it hasn't died yet but i mean the tombstone is one of the most iconic finishers of all time so no problem easy pass to the next round uh that brings us up to two monster big men just monsters among men and their finishers, the F5 versus the Vader Bomb, Ronald. Oh, man. Vader is a winner of one of our brackets, the big man bracket. Yes. And we both have a lot of love for Vader. But, again, going back to what I said before, I like when a finisher is... Erases faces? Yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> but I like it when... If someone else attempts that finisher, they go, oh, that's that's this guy's finisher. And there is no more original finisher than the F5. Everyone knows that that is Brock's move. No one can really do it and people not go, oh, he did Brock's move. It's not, I, that's one move that I don't think will, you know, be like compared to a headlock down the road. That's, that is a devastating fi power finisher that will always be Brock's and everyone will always think of Brock. So I got to go F5 here. And yeah, it, I, I, it's a good point. You make all good arguments, um, but I'm just I'm going Vader. I, I just have to because like I just think I see him standing on the second ropes, bouncing up and down, and just knowing that oh my god, this is about to die. Like this guy is going to die right now, and the anticipation always of the Vader bomb about to be hit uh, just got me amped up when I was a kid and still to this day. So uh, just personal preference, I'm going to lean towards Vader bomb. And uh, we'll leave it to Johnny for the to have the deciding vote. Oh, so I feel like I've gone against you the whole time, Cole. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so as much as I I loved when Vader killed Gorilla Monsoon with the Vader bomb when I was very yes. young. Uh, and That's not how he died, ladies and gentlemen. Not how he died, but I mean, on, on camera, <laughs> on camera, he killed the, the president, Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, as much as I love that, as a child and that has much fear as that put into me as a child, I have to agree that that five is just synonymous with Brock and I can't see anyone else doing it. Like I think of Brock immediately whenever I see it. And I also love finishers that are, uh, like I said, easily counterable. Uh, you can set it up out of nowhere. You can grab it out of nowhere. So for me, F five is, 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 is my choice here. All right. And again, not mad yet. Uh, there, there is a move on here. When we, uh, just a little behind the scenes, uh, when we filled out this bracket, uh, we had about sixty-seven 
moves that we had to narrow down to 32. Um, I have a whole list of honorable mentions that we'll go through at the end of today's episode. Um, but there's one move that I pushed really hard that Ronald, like, Ronald was like, nope, I don't want And I was like, no, I'm putting this on the list. Uh, we agreed after the 67, we, we each came up with our 32 and we had a lot of overlap. But so there's one move I put on here and I know I'm going to have a hard time. So that'll be when I get mad and I start really pushing. But until then, we're good to go. Uh, on to the next matchup. The, the Rock Bottom versus the Bonsai Drop. Ronald? Man, I, I'm, I'm uh, going against my heavyweights here in the corner moves. But <laughs> how do you not... And, uh, yeah, no, how do you not... You know, it, it's the Rock Bottom. Like I can't even, like, justify an argument here. You know, the, the Rock Bottom is another one of those moves uh, that just is synonymous with the rock. I know that there's the Sambo suplex, uh, uh, but, you know, when... Yeah. Uranagi. Yeah, Uranagi, okay. all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> but when when that when that arm is wrapped around the shoulder and you hit that move, everyone knows that's the rock bottom. So I got to go rock bottom. Uh, for me, I feel like in the history of wrestling, the bonsai drop may be the single most protective move ever i feel like whether it's yokozuna or rikishi hitting this move that was the finish every time like if they hit that it was over and uh so i'm gonna go bonsai drop here also i don't like the rock so you know that helps hmm. so this is tough because so the rock yes he did have the rock bottom but he also of course had the people's elbow yes uh so Rock bottom was more kickoutable, I guess, than the people's elbow. Uh, Which is the dumbest thing ever. But So, I might have to go with the bonsai drop here, just based purely on how protected it was and how powerful it was and how devastating it looks. Again, like if, if Yoko decides to not land fully on his feet and slide those legs out a little bit and kick him out. You're doesn't look very good. So I'm going to have to go bonsai drop. And it, and it's funny. It's totally up to him. He could have just been undefeated if he wanted to. Yeah. I agree, <laughs> All right. So bonsai drop moving on. Uh, this brings us to the final match of the left side of the bracket. The macho man elbow taken on the rude awakening. Now, this is one of those where, you know, that neck breaker may not necessarily be considered a great finisher. Um, and because really there's only one or two guys that ever use it as a finish. But the whole presentation of Ravishing Rick Rude doing the Rude Awakening is what makes this for me. And I love Rick Rude. I, I, we can't talk about him enough. But, I mean, it's the Macho Man elbow drop, man. It's probably, it's maybe the the it's for me it's still to this day the best elbow drop ever best looking best performed and he hits it snug every time look devastating so i'm going macho elbow ronald yeah this will be a quick one too and this is this is funny this is two moves that everyone uses but both of these have their own presentation to make them the iconic finishers that they are you know the whole presentation of macho man on the top rope pointing to the heavens and then landing right on the heart with that elbow is something that still gets me to this day. And for that reason and that reason alone, I'm going with Macho Man as well. Yeah, you said it's a quick one, and it is. Uh, Macho Man elbow easily wins in a landslide. So, 
We're entering the right side of the bracket. We're halfway through the first round. And uh, this one is definitely one that I, I will say I strategically placed because we're finally going to get that Austin Goldberg uh, matchup here in debate. So the Stone Cold Stunner versus the Jackhammer and uh, Ronald. Well, I keep beating a dead horse when it comes to this argument, but I like finishes that you could do on everybody. And given the track record recently, one of these has not been able to be done on everybody. Uh, So I'm going to go with the most iconic of the two, and I'm going with Stone Cold Stunner. Johnny? Yeah, I mean, that's this is a pretty easy one for me. Stone Cold Stunner. Uh, It's a move that I think everyone did to their friends as a child. Uh, from the setup, from the kick to the stunner. I mean, it's it's just, you think about professional wrestling as a whole, I think Stone Cold Stunner is one of the first things you think of. So pretty easily done, Stone Cold Stunner over the jackhammer. Yeah, and if you yeah. don't give your child a Stone Cold Stunner, then you don't, you haven't really embraced <laughs> fatherhood yet. So just- I give my dog a Stone Cold Stunner all the time. Perfect. I'm already there. So. <laughs> yeah, no debate here, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, the jackhammer is a really cool move. I like it, but uh, I mean- the, the stunner, there, there's a reason the stunner was a number one seed, along with Sweet Chin Music. So, uh, yeah, stunner, easy, unanimous decision. Um, but staying with the Goldberg theme, the spear versus the lariat, or clothesline for hell, or whatever you want. Uh, I just, when I say lariat, I think Stan Hansen all the way, and also Kenta Kobashi. So, I mean... Uh, this one, I, you know, and I've always kind of thought the spear was dumb. So <laughs> this is a pretty easy one for me. Uh, Lariato all the way, Ronald. Yeah, I mean, even when I think of the Lariat, I still think of the clothesline from hell. JBL throws that so well. And even today, you know, we got uh, Okada with the Rainmaker. Uh, it's also an iconic move. But uh, yeah, the spear, like even like SummerSlam, I was watching SummerSlam. I was like, wow, the, the, the semi-main in the main event, all spears. You got Lashley, Goldberg, Roman, <laughs> uh, no. Edge. Yeah, Edge. Yeah, so uh, the last three matches. <laughs> all Spears, every every single one of them. Uh, and yeah, I always thought the Spear was overdone and, and lame. Unless you're diving in the ring through the ropes. You know, that's pretty cool. That's a good way to deliver a Spear. It's unique. Yeah, I think for my personal taste, my fandom, throwing that Lariat, if it's done right, looks amazing. So I got to go the Lariat, Clothesline from Hell, Rainmaker, any variation you want to throw in there. Yeah, so I guess my vote doesn't really matter here anyway, but uh, <laughs> I'm not using like a thing on this because I don't feel that strongly on either one of them. Uh, like you said, like it, it, both moves are done by multiple people. Uh, the spear is done by almost everyone nowadays. The lariat is also, I mean, essentially almost done every match, depending on, I'm not talking about super run off the ropes, the Japan style lariat. We're talking about clothesline or anything like that, but uh yeah, I don't have one strong opinion either way. I might have went spear just based on like uh, the argument that everyone kind of does it now as a finish, so it is very powerful in some way, shape, or form. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't really have an opinion, so I'll just say lariat too because it doesn't. Matter. <laughs> now this one was also strategically done because I just put the two most insane moves I've ever seen in my life the first time I saw them. Uh, these were moves that just blew my mind changed the world the world uh but unfortunately one of these has kind of gone you know by the wayside but the other has become probably the second most popular move in wrestling right now and that of course is the canadian destroyer taking on 
the Psycho Driver. So I'm not a huge Super Dragon fan uh, by any means. I, I think he's, you know, gigantically overrated. Um, but that Psycho Driver is one of the coolest finishers. And when he was wrestling one of his friends or somebody he really didn't like, uh, it is maybe the most devastating thing I've ever seen because it's just him dropping guys right on top of their head. Um, but also, it was of it, it was the it feed it was featured in maybe the coolest finish I ever saw live at a PWG show, uh, where Super Dragon had a guy up in one of their crazy eight man tags at one of the bolas one year, and uh, he had a guy up across his shoulders. Another wrestler jumped on said guy and did and then did a dive to the outside off the chest of the guy to take everyone out so that Super Dragon could hit the Psycho Driver and win the match. Um, so, with all that said, I mean, it's Canadian Destroyer, right? I mean, it's got to be the Canadian Destroyer, Ronald. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you are correct that it's definitely been done so many times, but I'll never forget the first time I saw it as the right. Canadian Destroyer. I just, I was like, how is that possible? <laughs> so... I think, and now Goldust does it. So <laughs> yes, I mean I saw Ricky Morton do it, uh, yes. like <laughs> recently. So yeah, no, I gotta go. I gotta go. Canadian Destroyer. I love me some Psycho Driver. I, I think I like Super Dragon a little more than you do, but uh, most I, people do. Yeah, I, I have to like. I have to go Canadian Destroyer here. All right, Johnny. Yeah, based purely on significance on what the move means now, but also what it meant back in the day. Uh, I remember seeing PD do it for the first time. And it blew my mind uh, just based purely on how, I guess, significant it is to professional wrestling nowadays, too. Uh, the Canadian Destroyer, for me, is a, an easy choice as well over the Psycho Driver. And I also never want to take a Psycho Driver ever in my life. So I think I'm a uh, Canadian Destroyer for sure. And my goodness, the Canadian Destroyer is already a 20-year-old move. I just I feel old now. That's crazy. Wow. All right. Well... Uh, from 20-year-old moves, we're going to go all the way from, like, you know, to 80-year-old moves here. Uh, we've got the Hogan Big Boot Leg Drop Combo. Take it on. The good old-fashioned sleeper hold. And either way, immediately when I think about these two moves, either way, the first thing I go that comes to mind is Hulk Hogan doing the taking the sleeper hold and doing the the old fashioned you know raise the arm one raise the arm two raise the arm oh no and then that finger starts wagging and it leads to the hogan combo so um but i mean i just oh i have a soft spot for hogan so i gotta go hogan here and uh but i love the sleeper hold i love the old school you know raise the arm it's so dramatic and fun and silly but it's, you know, I, I wanted to talk about the sleeper hold. It made the cut. I'm glad it did. But uh, Hogan. <laughs> yeah, much like WrestleMania 1 when the Hogan big boot and leg drop faced the owner of the sleeper hold at the time, uh, Hogan's going to win here for me, too. Uh, the whole presentation of the, of the comeback to the big boot to the leg drop still gets me to this day, even when I go back and watch it. Um, yeah, got to go with my fandom here. Hogan with the leg drop all the way. Johnny? Yeah, I'll go Hogan with the leg drop as well. Uh, and I'm very lucky. The first thing that popped into my head was Shawn Michaels taking the leg drop, taking yeah. the, the big boot and, <laughs> and going wild and laying back down and taking the leg drop. Uh, yeah, Hogan leg drop for me as well is based on historical significance. 
that that has to win in this one. And I'm not like a, I'm not a Hogan guy by no means, but I mean just based on what he's done and what he meant and what that move meant and the amount of money that move draw like drew for many many years, like you can't not pick. So now we're gonna go to our favorite Ronald Bret Hart, the Sharpshooter, uh, taking on the Kinshasa slash Shining Wizard slash whatever you want to ever else you want to call this move. Um, so Ronald, I'll let you. St- kick this one off see this hurts because i think you strategically placed this one just to mess with both of us because you and yeah, i both knocking bret hart yeah <laughs> you and i both just think the world of both these guys um not to mention great muda <laughs> yes but i think for me you know i i love i love some uh the sharpshooter so much because it's an iconic submission hold but it's another it's an iconic submission hold that could be you know, placed from in, just about any position uh, still. And he was a master of coming up with different ways than just holding the legs and just putting it on. The way he countered uh, Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam 92 to get that sharpshooter in was amazing. Uh, yeah, and I just, uh, it hurts it hurts for me to go against Nakamura for anything, but it's Bret Hart and the sharpshooter, so I got to go Bret here. Yeah, so your vote's not going to matter because I'm going to pick a sharpshooter as well. Uh, Again, just being a child of that era and Brett being the guy when I was younger and just trying to figure out how to put the legs in the right direction when you're actually putting it on when you're a little kid and figure out how to cross the legs a certain way and move a certain way to put that move on your friends. And honestly, what it meant for me for, you know, WrestleMania 12 and Sean versus Brett and... Brett putting Sean the sharpshooter and the clock running down and Sean maybe tapping out, maybe not tapping out. So the what that meant for me and the moment that meant and how they built up the sharpshooters, this big deal. And I mean, it was a very protective submission move. Uh, and it was, for me, one of the first submission moves that felt like a real finisher during that time period for me when I started watching. So sharpshooter for sure is my choice. Yeah, it's going to be unanimous. That's, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a worry. But uh, I do love talking about Great Muda and uh, Nakamura any chance we get. But also, Johnny just touched on our Ron and I's favorite match of all time. So uh, all good, all good content. Now, here is the Iron Man match is your favorite match of all time. Yes, yeah, both. Wow, of that's, that, that's probably a hot take for some people. I we know. <laughs> yeah, I was I was there. I was ten years old when it happened, and I and, and I always kick myself because you know I w- I love the pageantry, I love wrestling, but you know when I ended up doing wrestling later on in life, I kind of like kick myself in the butt because I didn't appreciate the work rate I was watching at the time. It was just Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart, and that's it as a ten year old. But man, just watching it now. I'm gonna imagine you were sitting next to Blade now in the front row. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I had my my seats were not as good. I had a good view. I had a good view of Sean's entrance. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I have a piece of the canvas. I have a plaque from that match. Oh, nice. A, they they sold that during that time period, and I always wanted one when I was younger. And I bought it when I was older as an adult. But yeah, I have a piece of the canvas from WrestleMania 12 with a commemorative awesome. Shawn Michaels plaque. That's a trip somewhere in Cleveland. One one of the awesome things is when you watch the uh, the video, the playback, when Sean does the big entrance, one of our good buddies, a wrestler friend of ours, James Morgan, is firmly, like, dead center in the camera. He turns, looks right at the camera with his, like, bright red mullet, and he has, like, the most disgusted look on his face ever because he's a Brett fan. It's so perfect, but that moment is captured, you know, forever in eternity. So. 
Oh, all right. This one's going to hurt, but uh, it's time to pull the Band-Aid off. Uh, my favorite wrestling move in the history of ever is the 450 splash. I think it's the most perfect-looking top-rope move of all time. Like, I think the 630 is, like, just too much. Uh, but whenever Two Cold Scorpio would hit the 450 splash, it was just magic. And uh, Two Cold Scorpio was one of the reasons I kept watching wrestling when I first got into it. It was, yeah, I, I, it was probably the only time in my life that I watched WCW on a regular basis. But I'd watch every weekend to see Two Cold Scorpio and uh, Paul Orndorff and William Regal. And uh, I just love the 450 splash. It's my favorite move of all time. So that's where I'm going. But it's taking on the frog splash. So uh, it is up to you guys. Ronald. I mean, I love the 450 splash. And it looks oppressive when uh, Scorpio does it. But whenever I envision the 450 splash, I go to Juventud Guerrera. I love when he would like just throw his back all the way back before he would do it. I just loved, I loved his... Just how fast he would spin with it, and it was—it was definitely impressive when Scorpio did it. But you made the mistake of putting it against the Frog Splash, because <laughs> the Frog Splash is so iconic that it was altered to be three different versions of of a, of that move. Like, like there's Eddie Guerrero, D'Lo Brown, and Rob Van Dam. All Frog Splashes, but all different and all well regarded as one of the top aerial moves ever. And but they're so different, but they're the same move. So I just think for that track record, I got to go Frog Splash. And plus, if Eddie Guerrero in any way, shape, or form is is on the table in the conversation, I'm leaning towards that. So I got to go Frog Splash here. I mean, yeah. if, if I would have put the 450 Splash against the sleeper hold, you would have accused me of cheating. So <laughs> I would have went sleeper hold. So, so Johnny the Decider. Yeah. I mean, it was a great segue where you said that you – you can't go against Eddie, and I firmly agree with that. You cannot go against Eddie Guerrero. Nope. Uh, like that's immediately where my mind went when you said Frog Splash. Uh, yeah, it's, it's as much as cool as the 450 is. Frog Splash for me has got to win just based purely on Eddie, and obviously RVD and D'Lo as well. But Eddie for me is like the pinnacle of the Frog Splashes. Oh, and I'm not gonna dar so it. I just. I just had to have my favorite move in the history of ever make this list and uh, get shit all over in the first round. So thanks for that, guys. And uh, now moving on to my one of my favorite current wrestlers, uh, a guy that I've loved for 15, oh shit, almost 20 years at this point. I'm not working um, anymore, Cole. <laughs> oh, no, I'm speaking about the American Dragon, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson. Oh, close. And the Yes Lock. But it's taking on the uh, definitely right up there, arguably, with the Doomsday Device, the most iconic tag team move of all time, the 3D. So 3D versus Yeslock. Yes, you have to go first, Rod. <laughs> Man, it, you know, so much of me wants to pick the 3D because I want it to go up against the Doomsday Device somehow uh, in this bracket. Well, but, that would only be in the finals, so uh, that's going to be a tough pull. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And uh, the 3D is probably one of the most protected double-team finishers ever. Um, yeah. But when you think of the yes lock, I can't get that image out of my head of Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan tapping out Batista at WrestleMania 30. You know, you talk about, an, uh, <laughs> you talk about being made, you know, beating all of Evolution in one night. 
uh, and uh, tapping out the big movie star at the time. Uh, I can't get yeah, that out of my he head. Tapped out after he tapped out Hunter in the same night. Well, he hit him. He he beat Trips oh, with, he, right. with the knee. Yeah, yeah, he hit the knee. Okay. Yeah, but uh, no, I gotta go. Yes, lock. I just you know I I, I love that move so much. Uh, it, it's it. And it's such a, you know, it's the cross face, but just with a different, uh, a different hold on the arm. It just makes it look that much more devastating. And it, and it created that big moment. It was the finish of that really big moment that night. So, got to go yes, love. For, for the purposes of content, <laughs> I'm going to go here with the 3D because I, I feel like this move really changed the business in a way. It really made Cable... Um, I mean, the Dudleys in general made tables just part of your everyday wrestling match. It was like, you know, uh, you know, headlock, super uh, headlock, suplex, table bump. Like it just there. It just fit in there. But the 3D through the table is just one of the coolest things in wrestling. And the crowd got hyped every time. And uh, as much as I love the yes lock and, and, and Brian, I'm going to go with 3D here. So, Johnny, the decision. Yeah. So I'm going to preface this by saying Brian. I, Brian holds a special place in my heart. He is one, He is probably the best guy I've ever been in the ring with, no doubt in my mind. Uh, and I do have a soft spot for smaller guys that do cross faces as finishes, obviously. <laughs> but the 3D is a cool move. And that's like, I remember just seeing it for the first time, like being a kid and like you can obviously do it out of nowhere kind of a similar they kind of have a, a, a setup for it but they could also do it out of nowhere and man just based purely on maybe we need more tag team finishes in here i will have to go with the 3d as my choice over the yes lock Ooh. as much as it pains me to say being a you know smaller guy that is a cross face as a finish i'm not mad at it and you know you finally agreed with cole on one it had to happen sooner or later <laughs> that's my second one it's uh, i i went i went bonsai drop with that's three. right that's right we're two, we're at two. We're at two. yeah <laughs> i think we're yeah we're going pretty even it's a pretty fair shake right now our judge is not leaning heavily one way or the other <laughs> the first the first round of these brackets are not heated it's once it's once we get into the thick of it in, in the next round <laughs> oh yes i already see the one that my head's gonna explode for the next round but we have reached the the final match of this episode and round number one. And uh, this will be fun because it was just fun to put uh, these two guys' moves together. Uh, we've got Triple H's The Pedigree taking on Kenny Omega's One-Winged Angel. And uh, oh, just the idea of uh, this, this match made me kind of giggle a little bit. And I figured we could talk about it. It'd be fun. So... Uh, this being the last match here, I'm going to let Johnny go first and uh, talk about Pedigree versus One-Winged Angel. Uh, so One-Winged Angel is one of the coolest moves in wrestling right now, period. Also one of the most protected moves in yes, wrestling right now, absolutely. period. Uh, and Kenny, obviously one of the best wrestlers, if not the best going right now today. Uh, but, and again, I say by saying but, uh, the Pedigree and... Just based purely on, I guess, again, the historical significance of what it meant and how long it's been running hot, I might have to go with the pedigree for me as being the choice. Again, maybe if, if we do this podcast again in like 20 years, yeah. that answer might be different. But as I sit right now, the pedigree 
for what it's meant in the history of my professional wrestling viewing stands tall. And I, I, you know, I can't agree more because uh, both of these moves have like the same traits. They're both pretty protected. Uh, except, you know, one's just so new in today's move and the other one is a proven iconic finisher. And in a bracket like this, you got to go with the iconic finisher. I do agree in 20 years from now, when we talk about one winged angel as that iconic been around a long time finisher, we'll definitely have the same conversation, but for the sake of time periods and history, I have to go with triple H's pedigree. Okay. It's all, it's always a smart move to back the boss. So that's, that's, that's a good start on this. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I'm not gonna gonna shit all over everyone's Cheerios here. I will go uh, with the pedigree as well. So I that mean, we Cole, can solidify. Cole is notorious from last episode hunting for that clickbait because I'm pretty sure you had Candace decide <laughs> between the Undisputed Era and Inner Circle. Yes, yes. Oh, who she pick? Uh, I I I believe she went Inner Circle. Like Inner wow. Circle moved on. But, wow. But the the funny the fun part was the next round when she had the opportunity to put the uh, inner circle, to use her Darso to inner circle over the four horsemen, and she didn't do it, and then she kicked herself the rest of the entire bracket for not putting the inner circle over on Ric Flair. Wow. <laughs> so, oh, well, that's going to do it for, uh, for this episode today. I just quickly wanted to go over some of the moves that didn't make the cut, um, and if you guys want to talk about any of these when we get to them, feel free. Um, I know this starting right off the bat. This is this was one of the reasons Mick Foley got into the business. The Superfly Splash, uh, obviously, maybe the most iconic fit uh, submission move of all time. Definitely the most used. The Figure Four. It's got a horrible old, track record. Well, that's why I figured that you you left it off. Is that it doesn't ever actually finish anyone uh, since the seventies. You figured. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> Uh, and then we have the Boston Crab slash Walls of Jericho slash Canadian Crab, crab slash whatever you want to call it. Lion Tamer, uh, and there's no other name for it. Yes. <laughs> the good old-fashioned Jerry Lawler-style pile driver. Death Valley driver. The go-to sleep. Now, this one was a little bit late being added to our list, and it almost made the cut. It probably was number 33 for us, the go-to-sleep, but just didn't make the cut. Uh, the power bomb, of course. Uh, the coup de grace, like top rope double stomp, the Frankensteiner, i.e. the top rope, uh, the top rope Perkin Rana, uh, the black mass kick, which I think this is a move that we may be looking back at in 20 years, where if we redo this bracket, the 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 black mass kick may overtake. I think it's one of the most impressive finishers going today. Uh, it's going to become the new super kick too. Yeah, that's probably true. Probably <laughs> true. Uh, another move that's really popular, a guy that Ron and I both love and we talk about a lot on the podcast, the Pounce! The Phoenix Splash, uh, the Mishinoku Driver, uh, and then this is one that I, I pushed for, I argued a little bit, and Ron overruled and made sure that one final beat made this list, uh, the Ankle Lock, uh, the Ankle mm -hmm. Lock, uh, and, and my argument to Ronald was uh, WrestleMania, Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle. That's all we need to know about yeah. the Ankle Lock. And how effective and great it could be. And that was like another reason why I didn't want it. <laughs> uh, and this one, I was a little surprised that Ron didn't have this on his list too, because this move is very near and dear to both of our hearts in our wrestling uh, time. The black hole slash boss man slam. 
And then uh, the perfect plex. That was another one that was really protected back in the day. Now it's just a thing. Uh, uh, and then my favorite, of course. I think I've hit it twice in my entire life, but I attempted it in every single match that I ever took or that I ever partook in. The Swanton Bomb. <laughs> and of course, rounding out our honorable mentions, the Angle Slam. So, uh, Johnny, is there anything that you think we may have missed that, that we should talk about? Any, any finishers or things we haven't discussed today that pop into your mind? I'm surprised, purely based on your sister, that the lion salt wasn't on that list. <laughs> that is true. Your sister and Chris Jericho, but your sister yeah. <laughs> as well. Or the stomp, or some kind of variation of a, of a curb stomp. The curb or... stomp was on the overall list. Yes, that was one of our 67 uh, the curb stomp. Uh, I love that she stole that she just stole like half of Super Dragon's moves. Yep. Like fuck yep. this guy. <laughs> well, the integrity the integrity of the bracket was already at risk because we didn't have the Cobra on here. So. <laughs> so oh all right so that's gonna do it for this episode, Johnny. Thanks for being with us, and you will return with us for part two of this. Yeah. Uh, you guys listen next week, next Wednesday, where we come to an exciting conclusion on the creative team fantasy bracket uh and as so i am your host cole dawson and thank you for being here with us today thank ronald and johnny and uh, we'll be back with you next week to finish this bracket have a good night and we love you Mwah. thanks for listening find us on instagram and twitter at creative team pod or just the creative team on facebook Follow Cole Dawson on Twitter and Instagram at Cole2130 and follow yours truly on Instagram or Twitter at Ron for your life. Number four, we'll see you next week on another episode of The Creative Team.